From the time we are born, we are placed in a bubble. It may be a result of where we are born, the people we are around, or the information we are given. Our mission here on the Sports is a Job podcast is to pop the bubble and help everyone realize they control their own path. We will interview people working in sports to share their story and provide our take on sport industry topics. Hosted by Colby Castillo and Olivia Poutine. Welcome to the Sports is a Job podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports as a Job podcast, Journey of the Working Sports Professional. This is one half of the podcast. As always, my name is Colby Castillo, and unfortunately, the other half, Olivia, could not make it today. But I bring to you guys a different perspective. Like I was telling her, she's the first professor on this podcast. And like I tell everybody out there, our name is Sports as a Job. So it covers every single aspect of the sports industry. And so I am fortunate enough to welcome Lisa Rubin to the Sports as a Job podcast. How are we doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. First off, I have to say it's, it's interesting because I do a lot of research before I get into a podcast. And I saw on your Twitter, and luckily it was pinned on the top. So I have to say congratulations to you because you were saying that March 10th, you got promoted for the first time. Um, since 17 years ago when you were at UNOV. So, I mean, let's start off with that. I mean, what has the journey been like for you? I mean, what was that feeling when you got that promotion here at K-State? And if you could just tell everybody what it is your current position is. Sure. Thank you very much for the kind words. Um, (laughs) So I recently found out I've been promoted to associate professor with tenure at Kansas State, which is a really exciting opportunity uh, to continue the work that I'm doing and contribute to this field while feeling pretty valued at my institution. Uh, I did start all the way back um, in the higher education space at University of Texas as my alma mater two times over, and I started as a student worker in the admissions office. So from being a tour guide and a student worker and being promoted there to supervise my fellow student workers, Uh, Back when I was in college, my journey has kind of evolved from admissions to athletics, but it's been a fun one. And I don't know if you want me to expand on some little stopping points along the way. (laughs) We'll we'll jump into it because one of the the, the first stopping point or the starting point is at the University of Texas at Austin. You had your bachelor's in advertising. Now, that's super interesting to me because of, of, of your current position, like you said. I mean, so what was the... I guess, what was the goal from the beginning? What were you thinking that your career was going to be? I mean, majoring in advertising and doing what you are doing today, I mean, it's kind of different. Well, you know, a lot of college students have no clue what they want to study, and I was one of those. So what happened was my father has a degree in advertising from the University of Texas, and I put that down on my application, and I got admitted, and I said, oh, maybe I'll, you know, test some things out and see what happens. But when I arrived, Uh, for summer orientation. A lot of people said, oh, you got into the advertising program. That's one of the best in the country. And I said, oh, okay, I'm going to stay with it. (laughs) And so that's why I stuck with advertising. And and though I did not want to pursue a career in that area, I got a lot out of that program. I think, you know, embracing creativity for one and also learning how to do public speaking, working in teams, those kind of things really helped me in the future. Now, that's interesting you talked about that because that's one of my favorite topics to talk on is how sometimes, right, when we're in college, we're forced into a certain or we choose to go to a certain route and we're good at it. 
and people say, hey, that's something you're good at. That's something amazing. And we stick that route. And that's not necessarily what we want to do. And I know you taught first year experience um, classes at UNLV. So how do we help people, I guess, within the first year of college, help figure out their identity and actually what they want to do? That's a, a loaded question, Colby, but I think okay. it's an important one. Uh, you know, someone who works in, uh, in a higher education and college and development uh, department, we, one thing is you have to really let the student figure that path out, of course, providing some resources. And there's so much information and, and so many resources that universities offer, it can be overwhelming. So in that space, if an institution has first year experience class, or an office or kind of a transition achievement center kind of place, that's where I would recommend students go. At Kansas State, we have uh, in our career center what's called the explore floor, and students can go there and do some kind of um, like interest inventories and little tests or personality things to see maybe what's a good fit for them. Those don't always mean you must do this, but it gives some people ideas. I think one thing that I would recommend is try to find some kind of way to partner in a peer mentoring situation where a student can learn from an older student. It's very normal for people to change interests and directions throughout college to grow and learn more about their identities through student involvement. So I don't think there's one perfect way to say this student should do this and they'll figure themselves out. But that's part of the beauty of going to college. And I think that you know, students should connect with their faculty, their academic advisors, make you know, the attempt to visit different places on campus that provide support, and that's one way to do it. But you know, there's, I think it's okay if someone goes one way and then changes their mind. A lot of parents don't want students to, you know, oh, you can't change your major, you can't be there five years, six years. But for me, I think there's you know, some philosophy on, you know, you may take a class in a subject you hated in high school and the professor like just blew your mind and now you're like, maybe I want to study that. And that happened to me with some classes, maybe not to change my major, but to say, oh, I actually liked history. Okay, like I didn't realize that was going to be pretty good. But you may also, in a, if you're able and, and can fit it into your program, try some things that are just completely out of the box. So one of my kind of approaches when I was a student in college was to take one fun class every semester, maybe some elective that I can just enjoy something that wasn't all prescribed to me. So I took like improv improvisational drama, um, human sexuality, just because it was I was told it was a very popular class. <laughs> and just fun classes. I took a, a music business class, which I really thought about going to that industry after that. So trying to explore yourself outside of this one path that you're told to do in the curriculum. Yeah, and I, that's, that's huge what you just said, exploration, exploring different things, trying new things, because that's part of the college experience. And my story really, you know, thankfully, shout out to Eddie Walker, who was my academic advisor um, throughout college. But I went, when I got to college, I was actually meant to go down the route of being a physical therapist. I love the idea of being called Dr. Castillo and being able to help out patients. And, and that's what my parents and grandparents wanted me to do. But luckily, my academic, academic advisor said, hey, keep your eyes open, try new things. And he put me in a sport management class that first year. And I had no clue sport management or the sports industry was a career I could go down. I just thought maybe a coach, assistant coach, or being a professional athlete. That's all I knew. 
and it opened my eyes to a whole new world. And then obviously now here I am with sports as a job and working in college athletics. So that kind of short story short tells you what happened there is, is when I tried things outside of that bubble that I knew, I found out discoveries and possibilities and opportunities I was not aware of. Now, you went from advertising to getting your master's degree in sport management. Now, when did you realize you wanted to go down that route and decided to get your master's degree in sport management? Well, it's kind of going back to what I said about taking that music business class. I really was interested in pursuing a master's in music business. And at the time, there were very few options. And so I was looking at places like NYU and USC. And um, so this long story short, I ended up graduating from college in two years. And it was um, a little bit faster than I anticipated. So I missed a lot of deadlines to apply to graduate programs to start right after I finished college. And when you finish college at 20 years old, there's not a lot of job prospects, to be honest. So I was convinced that I needed to stay in school. And my supervisor in the admissions office said, hey, we have this sport management program, maybe music and sport or entertainment. You should just go look at that. They had a bigger, a later deadline for the applications for that year. So I went over and met with the department head at the time, who's now at a different institution, and talked to him about my interest in the program. And then I applied and I got admitted. And then my shift from music to sport happened pretty quickly. And I will tell you that while I wasn't a huge sports person before that point, I did have some influences in my life that you know, did like sport and did push it on me a little bit. One is my brother, who was a big fan, <laughs> also a big Longhorn. And another was one of my close friends from growing up who also ended up in college athletics after college. So he, they both of them were very excited that I went that route and kind of influenced me and, and gave me the knowledge I needed as I started that area. Mm-hmm. That's interesting in itself. I mean, that transition from music to sports management and then finding out, you know, that's something that you actually like. Now, I think in the, in the landscape of the sports industry, I see a lot of people right now debating whether or not to continue their, higher edu- continue their education and get a master's degree or try to test the waters and try to go get a job with just their bachelor's degree. What can you say is the benefit for someone, especially in the sports industry, I guess, of getting their sport management and master or their master's in sports management? I'd say it's, it's helpful if you're passionate about a, a topic or a subject at all to get an advanced degree in it. It's a very different learning experience than an undergraduate degree. But I'll say, honestly, you'll find most positions, at least in college athletics, are looking for a master's degree in a related area. It doesn't have to be necessarily sport management. Now, I've done research specifically on those who work in student athlete services, and 92% of professionals in that area have at least a master's degree. So you'll see a few with doctorates and a few with bachelor's. But otherwise, the majority of people in that area, which might make sense, they're helping students academically and developmentally in college, have that education. However, there are people who do many different jobs in the sport industry that don't have masters, and that's perfectly fine. And you might want to go back later and do one if you want to test the waters. Uh, I think people should try their own path. And if education's not your thing or you thought, okay, I got through college, that's pretty amazing, that's also fine. There's no rule. 
but it, it is an advantage. And that's why you see a lot of graduate assistant coaches, coaches that they really just want a master's degree because that's what's required maybe to be a head coach at a college. And they're not super concerned about what it's in. So they're going to default to something they're interested in, which is either education because they're going to work with college students or sport management because they're working in sports. So I think those are the kind of areas you'll see most common. Yeah. And that's something I'm actually in my master's program online right now. And it is a totally different feel than my undergraduate studies. I mean, we dive super in depth into particular subjects that really I find interesting, you know, whether it comes to sports research, sports marketing. I mean, it's super in, in detail. Now, what was your first full-time job after graduating college? My first full-time job was at the University of Nebraska Athletic Department, and I, my title was Assistant Academic Counselor. Uh, it was a two-year full-time internship, essentially, and uh, supporting student-athletes academically and also working in the life skills area, which is now called student-athlete development, except Nebraska still calls it life skills. So you can <laughs> still find it there. Almost everybody I worked with is still there or came back there. It's a really great place uh, where a lot of good things are happening because they have the resources to make those things happen. Definitely. And it's, it's looking at your journey. I mean, you've gone from Texas to Nebraska to UNLV to Kansas, Kansas State. I mean, it seems like you have this willingness to move around and things like that. How important do you think that was to your own career and, and somebody else's career? Because I think a lot of times, especially in the sports industry, you kind of have to be willing to move around. It's, it's kind of hard to limit yourself to just say Hawaii. For me, I couldn't just stay in Hawaii because of the limited opportunity. So tell us about that. Yes, and I'd say unfortunately you have to be really flexible in the sports industry if you want to work. And some of my friends from my master's in sport management program, you know, they wanted to work in minor league baseball or, or some of those areas, and they were just moving to all sorts of little towns and cities all over the place to have those opportunities. The same goes with college athletics. I think you'll find that if you – are flexible, you have more opportunity to move, and sometimes that's really hard. I know that I've had former students that are dating each other and they have to, they're both in the field and they're moving around and they have a hard time keeping up with each other because it's hard to find jobs even in the same state or in the same region. And so it does take some flexibility, open-mindedness. I think it's a lot easier when you're young and, and fresh out of school. Um, as you move forward, it's a lot more difficult. And there's also other things, you know, a lot of people think I only want to work for, you know, a winning program or uh -huh. a, a high resource institution, maybe like Ohio State. I only want to work for places like Texas A&M, you know, the really big money places. But that's actually, um, from my experience, going from Nebraska, which has a lot of money and resources and investment in athletics statewide, really, because there's no other major school, to going to UNLV, which is a, considered a mid-major in a group of five conference, I got a lot more hats and responsibility in my work at UNLV because we had a smaller staff and a smaller budget and, and at the time, no facility. We were sharing space with an academic unit. So having that experience actually made me a better professional to work in a place with less and do more with less. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you, tell, you saying that because one of the things that Sports as a Job promotes is that we don't want people to get lost in the search. We want them to get found. Well, that actually goes the other way as well with the smaller organizations, the smaller named schools, um, the smaller leads, because a lot of the people I've been able to connect with and, you know, on this podcast, 
they, they work at minor league teams. They work at the smaller schools. And like how you were saying, the professional experience you get because you get to wear multiple hats, that's super, super valuable. So we're, you know, sports is a job. We're on the mission to make sure those opportunities aren't lost as well because we want to connect people with these opportunities and make them aware, hey, this might be a great fit for you and this might be a great experience for you. And we just want to make that, um, you know, aware and not a possibility and opportunity for them. So now we get into UNLV. You're there for seven years, which is, again, for everybody not listening out there, I was born and raised in Hawaii. That is the ninth island of Hawaii. There's a lot of Hawaii people there. But I actually, you know, I want to fast forward through that seven years and I want to learn how you went from UNLV and you got the current position that you have today at Kansas State. Well, sure. So uh, at UNLV, I started in the athletic advising area and um, in now I'm dating myself, but 10 years ago, there were some pretty major budget cuts in Nevada and uh, my PhD program got eliminated while I was in it. So I had to go back to school full time and finish that in a very quick uh, time frame. And that led me to uh, focus my research on student athletes. And while I was doing that, picking up GA positions and then eventually becoming a full-time career counselor. And one day I looked for a faculty position thinking maybe I'll give this professor thing a shot. And Kansas State had a position open and uh, student services and intercollegiate athletics was the focus area of this faculty position. And I said, wow, first of all, I've never seen anything like this. And I still haven't really seen much like this ever since. But I highlighted, I printed that job description out and I highlighted every word and I'm like, this is me on paper. And so I applied and I got an interview and I flew to Kansas from Las Vegas in January and uh, had a nice cold visit. But it was a, it was a really great experience here and I, I knew it was a good fit. And I, I guess they did too. So I've been here now six years and it's been a really fun journey because I get to teach and research in areas that I'm really interested in and also do service, which is another part of being a faculty member. So for example, I serve on the Intercollegiate Athletic Council, which is a president's advisory committee. And I do things related to my interests at all levels, you know, in my uh, department, college, university, and then for the profession. So I get to do all these different things that relate to my passions. And I think the best part about it, of course, is seeing my students graduate and get jobs in the industries that they love. And I love bringing them back and having them talk to my current students and supporting them into the future. And that's one of the most fun things about all this. You touched, uh, you said research there, and I know you did research and we talked a little bit about it before we got recording. Um, you did research on the people and student, student athlete services and how, you know, a lot of times it leads to burnout within that area. You know, if you could share that story before we got on about that one student to everybody, I would love for them to hear about this story about that GA who's at the bar and things like that. If you could share that with everybody listening. Sure. So I did have uh, a student who is now in a great role at a, you know, beyond graduation is two times past here at another institution. Uh, but when he was, in school, we were at a happy hour, uh, the students and the faculty, you know, in our Aggieville, which is our bar district by campus. And this student was working on a laptop in the bar, um, cranking out a report for the sports information office. And I had never seen someone working so hard at a bar for a GA position. And the student just said, I had, you know, I have a deadline. I, there's nothing I can do about it, but at least I'm here, right? So that's something that is, you know, 
we have changed. We don't, our, our grad assistants, the few that we have left here don't have, um, they can't work beyond 30 hours a week legally. And that's helped them of course, focus more on school and, and having a life outside of their job. But the burnout study, which uh, focused on those working in student athlete services professions, primarily academic advisors and student athlete development coordinator type roles, uh, was very eye-opening. Uh, my colleague, Maria Moreno-Pardo-Crowell, who works for Athlife, uh, we both uh, were talking to so many people all the time who asked us uh, for advice. They were thinking about leaving the profession or leaving their role. And we finally said, we need to research this. There's so many people reaching out to us because we both had left that role for different jobs. And we, we interviewed um, 38 people who talked about different burnout issues or considering leaving the profession or observing their colleagues going through things. And it, it was very eye-opening to us and what it led us to do was create some suggestions and implications, both for professionals in athletics and also administrators overseeing that area, because we wanted to make sure the end goal is to retain the good people with integrity in college sports. If these people can't handle the pressure and the stress and it's affecting them health-wise, they're going to leave. And then there's going to be too much. We already have a lot of turnover. So this was a, a kind of a way to see what are they going through and what can we do better to keep them in the field? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when it comes to certain issues and we talked about it a little bit, sometimes it takes researchers, sometimes it takes, you know, people saying something to say, hey, obviously it's been a problem, but let me make you aware of it so we can make the changes necessary. And I see that's something that you did there. And Lisa, I just want to thank you for your time for being on the podcast. So for everybody listening out there, if you could tell them, you know, where can they find you on social media? Where can they connect with you? Just, just plug in all your social media or, or where you are. Well, I appreciate that. So on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Lisa Rubin, and that's R-U-B-I-N, not the sandwich spelling. And um, I am not cool enough to be on Instagram, so I'm still working on that, even though I am a millennial. I just, I it took me, my students like basically petitioned me to join Twitter a couple years ago. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to get with it, but Twitter's fine. I'm, I'm checking that regularly or I'm on LinkedIn. I think my uh, slash is LMLTX and happy to see you on either of those platforms. Well, there you go, everybody listening. That's how you get in touch with her and you can contact and network with her. Um, she was super open and willing when I reached out to her to jump on this podcast. It really didn't take much. But for everybody listening, again, what we're doing with the sports um, sports as a job company right now is we're trying to help people get their first or next opportunity within the sports industry. So if you fall in those lines, we have a database for you that you can create a free profile. You get a five to 15 minute podcast to tell your story and help you get your next opportunity. And you can visit us at www.sportsasajob.com. And like I always say, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.